Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. All right, everybody that's tuning in online, happy that you all are here as well. Um, So I want to start off with a quick moment of celebration. If you're looking around and you're noticing that a couple of faces are missing, it's because a couple of our folks are over in Oklahoma right now celebrating the uh, marriage of two of our members, John and Christine. They got married last night. That's awesome. We, we miss them and you know we, we are sad that folks are not here, but we are happy that they're not here for a great reason. We'll see them when they get back, God willing, amen. All right, God is so good. Um, all right, so let's jump into the word. We'll be preaching today from Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 23. There it is, all righty. Verse 15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross." Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you have heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, you are incredible. You're awesome. You're loving and you're kind. As we silence our heart and our mind to hear from you today, we also acknowledge that we hear the sound of sprinkling rain hitting the window. It's a sign of your majesty. It's a sign of your creation. It's a sign of your life-giving power. It's a sign of the works of your hands. It's a sign of how all things that you have created work together for its sustaining. Truly, you are amazing. A God like that is worthy to be praised, and that's what we've come to do. We've come to praise you and worship you and drink deeply of your love by way of your gospel. So, Lord, let the gospel be proclaimed. Let no flesh glory in your sight. 
Let all eyes, hearts, and ears be open to what it is that you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty. So family, we are uh, at the start of a new series on the gospel. It's called The Good News Gospel, and we're going to be journeying through this all fall right up until we make it to Advent. And um, we are walking through four major chapters of the gospel, and we started this last week. The four chapters are uh, creation, so the very beginning, right, created by God to create. And then we're going to talk about uh, the fall in a couple of weeks and when sin entered the world via disobedience. Then a few weeks after that, we'll touch base on the redemption, so life through Christ and what that means and the power of the cross. And last but not least, we're going to talk about restoration, so the renewal of all things and joining in uh, on that renewal process. And last week, our pastor Russell gave us a dynamic introduction and overview on the entire gospel story. And today, we're going to begin with our first chapter, which is creation. Somebody say creation. Uniquely, we're not just talking about creation today, but we're going to take a step back from that, and we're going to talk about pre-creation and what happened before God starts creating things as we see in Genesis chapter 1. But before we get there, I want to tap into your imagination for a bit. Walk with me here. (laughs) Imagine the luxury of having something completely taken care of before you even have to step onto the scene. Like a really big debt that you had to pay that's no longer an issue because somebody already covered the cost before you even racked the bill. Has that ever, you ever been in that situation where you go to a restaurant and then you go to pay the bill and they're like, oh, the couple at the other table took care of it for you. Has that ever been you? It's never been me, but I'm waiting for the day that I pull out my credit card and they're like, no, 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 no. Like the person at the other table have it like, have me, like, please cover my bill. Happy, happy to anybody open to that idea. Just bless a, bless a brother. And there's a, a, a lot of opportunities that really make me think about that idea of having that debt paid uh, without even having to do the, the, the purchasing. So I work with college students every day at my nine to five, and on a daily basis as I'm interacting with these students, I consider some of their lives and the variety of stories that I encounter, and I think about the large tuition bill that they have to pay off. Any college grads in the house today? Still paying off them loans today. (laughs) And there's a broad spectrum of financial stories uh, amongst the students that I work with. And there are some wealthy students whose tuition is like a drop in the bucket for their family, and they barely notice the difference. And it ranges all the way to other students that had to sacrifice immensely just to have access to the education. If you know which university I work for, it ain't cheap. Amen, somebody. We ain't going to say the name, but it ain't cheap university. (laughs) And there are a handful of students that have absolutely no way possible to pay for school, but somebody, usually a parent, from the time that they knew that they were conceived and would be coming into the world, they went ahead and started a college savings fund. Even without them knowing, without them being born, Even without them knowing whether or not they'd ever step foot on a college campus, there was an established plan to pay off the debt. And because of that decision of somebody else, there are some bills that those students today won't even have uh, as an issue for them. 
The, bed, the debt is paid because of the decision and the plan that somebody set up before they were even born. Now, this sounds awesome, amazing, potentially problematic if you really look deep into it, but this is amazing for that college student that has that big housing or tuition bill or something like that, but the truth is there are some things that you just can't prepare in advance. So I remember those time, a time I was working with those same students and we were hosting a program that was based on the TV show Shark Tank. Anybody familiar with the show? It's a show that has to deal with folks that have really good entrepreneurial ideas and they present it to a group of sharks that have a lot of money that are willing to invest in the ideas that they really believe in. So my students have all these programming ideas and we as the professional staff are the sharks. And they gotta convince us to give them the money after they present their ideas or whatever. It was real cute, we did a whole thing, right? Ah, everybody's having fun, right, cool. So we wanted to make it special so we prepared these little treats. There were cute little jello cups. It was the blue jello, blue raspberry, turned to your lips a different color. And then we put little gummy sharks in it to match the theme. And then we crushed up graham crackers. And we sprinkled it in there to look like sand. And my colleague really put a lot of time and energy and effort into preparing these treats for the students. So here I come along like, hey, you need any help with anything? I want to take the load off your shoulders. And they're like, sure. You can add the whipped cream on top of the treats so that, that's one less thing that we have to do later. Cool, I'm your guy, I got you. So I'm taking it, I'm you know, using my culinary skills, I'm whipping it up, got the dollop right there, I'm doing the little, like remember the salt, what was this, uh, Salt Bay was his name, where he did a little salt, I'm over there sprinkling a little sugar on it, making it look real nice, and then I popped them in the freezer, not the freezer, the refrigerator, and a couple of moments before the event, which is a couple of hours since I put the whipped cream on, I go, and I open the door and pull out our confectionery creations. And somehow, the whipped cream that I put on a few hours before didn't quite look like the whipped cream that I was taking out of the refrigerator. It didn't hold, it dwindled away, it got all sludgy, it was just weird and nasty looking and not something that I will be doing again. So, uh, that is an example of a confectionery creation that was for a fictitious event and uh, an exercise with students that did not go well. But what if we were to consider the reality that all creation is subject to? When we open the door to the past, whether it's our own personal history or the history of every nation across the globe or our circumstances of our community of origin, we see that there's a lineage of brokenness that exists throughout the narrative of the storylines. Battles with addiction that cross spans of generations. Systems of oppression that break and play communities and battles with depression or even sin. Each of us knows some sort of challenge in this manner. But the good news is even before the world began, even before anyone ever sinned, God had a plan in place for your salvation and to redeem creation through Jesus Christ. That was a plan that was started in advance and worked out for our benefit. So today we're taking a look at Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, and Paul wrote this letter from jail while he was imprisoned in Rome, and they had, there had been some false teachings circulating that deemed Jesus as less divine as he was. So Paul writes this letter to recalibrate their understanding and get them back on track and reassure their confidence that Jesus is fully God and supreme Overall, let's take a look again at verse 15. 
It says the Son of God, the Son is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is what? Before all things, and in him all things hold together. So Jesus, the invisible image of God, the God that we can't see with our physical eyes, shows up in the form of Jesus. He is fully God. And not only is he God, but scripture says that he is the firstborn over all creation. That means that he existed before any other existence existed. We don't know how, we don't know when, but it happened and it is a part of the great mystery of God. Jesus was not manufactured. He was always in existence as part of the Trinity. And all things were created through Jesus, both in heaven and on earth. So we tend to think of creation as earth and outer space. That's creation. That's where our mind goes to when we think about what God created. But creation is actually extended beyond just the concept of heaven, earth, stars, the sky, some comets and things of that, comets and things of that nature. Um, also amongst what was created uh, was heaven and hell, angels, demons, the tangible and the intangible. All of this existed and was created before God started creating in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus is before all things, and he outranks all things. And not only is he outranking all things, but he holds, what? All things together. Everything in creation is held together in perfect harmony through Jesus Christ. So when we think about folks that like to become one with creation and one with the universe and one, if we are trying to become one with anything but bypassing Jesus as the ultimate unifier of all things, we are opening a door to missing an essential step and tapping into something that is not quite how God created it to be. Jesus is the one that holds all things together. So what do we know about what happened between the time Jesus existed and Genesis 1? Honestly, not a ton, right? Scripture uh, gives us a few glimpses into what happened during that pre-creation stage. What's one thing? One, we know that Jesus shared in loving and harmonious glory with the Father. John 17 says this. It says, I have brought you joy and glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. And then down in verse 24, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me when? Before the creation of the world. So before creation took place in Genesis, there was already a reality where Jesus existed with God in full love and full harmony and full glory. What's another thing that is uh, considered about pre-creation. So another thing is that many believe that there was some form of cosmic conflict that led the devil to be cast out of heaven. And scholars suggest that the prophecies outlined in Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 symbolically depict the uh, fall of Satan from heaven while the uh, prophecy is going forward to the kings of Babylon 
and Tyre. I have an excerpt here from Isaiah 14. It says, How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds, and I will make myself like the Most High. This is a depiction of the, uh, 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 the angel, the devil, who was once an angel in heaven, trying to exalt himself above the position of God. And once an angelic being who was held in the highest regard and sought himself to be equal with God, he was cast out along with the other rebellious angels. And since then, his assignment has been to roam the earth, seeking whom he may devour and convince to turn away from God. And then there's number three. So we know that the Trinity orchestrated the plan for salvation before creation. And this is where we're going to spend the rest of our time today, is that before creation, the Trinity was already communing and in operation with a plan for our salvation. Ephesians 1 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of the glorious one which he has freely given us. And 2 Timothy chapter 1 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy, night, holy life not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to, the light, to light through the gospel. So in summary, Jesus, fully God, existed in harmonious glory with the Father before creation, and participated actively as a conduit for the creation of all things in heaven and on earth. He created the spiritual realm and all its angelic inhabitants and was present when the great angelic rebellion took place and, wreaked, and its havoc would be wreaked on earth. But even through all that, the Trinity already had a redemption plan in place for those who would put their faith in Jesus for the restoration of all things back to God. Let's continue. Verse 18 says, And he, Jesus, is the head of the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. In case you haven't picked up on the theme that Paul is sharing here, he's trying to drive home the point that Jesus is supreme over all things. He's first and foremost and supreme over creation. He's first and foremost and supreme over the church. He's first and foremost and uh, supreme even over death. Jesus, the Savior who died and raised again, will also one day raise back to life every believer who puts their faith in Jesus. Death and life are not equal powers. Life in Jesus is supreme. Jesus and Satan are not equal powers. 
Jesus is supreme light, and darkness are not equal powers. Light, and the light of Christ is supreme. Before the world began, God had a plan in place for salvation through Christ Jesus. So with that in mind, and thinking about the the life of the gospel, the story of the gospel, and how it connects with us individually and personally in our lives, we all have a story that took place before we even got here. Before we were born, there was already a system in place. It was a system of our genetics, our heredity, our culture, our society, our economics, our generational circumstances. And before you stepped foot on this earth, these things were taking place. And yes, they impacted what happened once we were here on earth. But even for those things, even for those realities, as great as they may be or as challenging as they may be, as hard as they may be or how life-giving they may have been, Jesus is supreme over all aspects of life. His redemption covers all. And we have confidence that if we put our trust in him, there's nothing that is unconquerable, and there's nothing that we can withstand, cannot withstand with God on our side. And when we stand face-to-face with challenges, face-to-face with trials or suffering, we're not standing as though we're wondering who will win this battle. Those things are ex- taking place all under the auspice of a God that's already victorious and has a redemption plan in place. We are standing in confidence that before there was an issue, before there was a weapon, before there was a challenge, there was a plan. There was a savior. There was grace. And there was a redemption pathway through Jesus Christ. And that plan was for you to overcome. Christ is and always has been and forever shall be sovereign. He didn't just become sovereign on the cross. He didn't just become sovereign at the point of the empty tomb. At creation and before creation and all the way throughout generations in time, Christ is and has been sovereign. So friends, I leave you with this encouragement from verses 21 through 23. It says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you. Somebody say reconciled. He has brought you back together to Christ, by Christ, physical body, through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. It's the gospel that you heard and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have became a servant. So friends, don't be discouraged. No matter what you see, no matter what you have seen, no matter what people have seen before you, because there is already a plan of redemption in place. Continue in your faith, be established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, you are Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. You have always 
always, always been sovereign and powerful, even from the beginning of time and beyond. Lord, I pray that we are grounded and reminded that things that are new to us are not new to you. Things that are big to us are not big to you. We have confidence that things may take us by surprise, but you see a much broader spectrum of time, space, and history than we do. And not only do you see it, not only do you know it, but you are God and sovereign over it all. So Lord, I pray that we take rest and comfort in knowing that you have our back, you are covering us, you are watching over us, and you have been even before we were here on earth. And you will continue to do so until the end of time when all things are restored back unto you. So Father, encourage us in the journey, strengthen us, and equip us for this life of faith that we're called to walk on. In Jesus' name, amen.